Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast, where each week Pastor Anar Ram and Elder Roger Prather will be diving into the weekly lesson from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The congregation at the College Church has made it their motto to love, grow, and serve. We really want to learn to love more, grow more, and serve more. It is our hope that through these conversations, we can learn to better serve our congregation, our local community, and the world. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are blessed with today's conversation. Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast. My name is uh, Pastor Ana Ram, and with me in the room here are three distinguished others. And um, on my right is... Roger Prather. Uh, straight ahead of me is Dan Thomas, and to my left is Megan Jones. All right, and that's a new voice you're hearing yes, there. Is. She she's leaving. She's she's not she's leaving. Not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. there we go. There you go. <laughs> good, good one, good one. <laughs> yes, I came by to say hi. Well, and, uh, glad you're on the mic. That's good. That's Praise good. God. So, God. well, actually, since I'm here, yep. I would like to say. Thank you to our listeners who've been listening to this podcast. It's really been a blessing for me to be able to produce it and get it out to you guys. And I want to thank you, Pastor, for encouraging this. And actually, I don't think I ever told you that I have been, before we talked about doing this, mm -hmm. I have been feeling a bit lost in how I could minister my home church and, and God because... I'm not a good teacher. I'm hmm. not a public public speaker at all. Hmm. You know, Sabbath hmm. school is like, ugh, I, I don't want to teach it at all. <laughs> so um, sometimes that's where, for females, that's where, you know, oh, it, you feel yeah. like yeah. your only purpose or way you can serve. And so when this came opportunity came up, it was awesome and a great way for me to serve my wow. church and God. So thank you so much. You're very thank putting you. it together. I, actually, you. it was you and Roger, right? Who we, had the idea? We started it, but I think you did all the heavy lifting behind the scenes. We talked about it yeah. for since COVID. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And we were just kind of like, we should do this, and we we're like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know how we that should goes. do this. And then he called me when he's like, "Hey, we have a social media manager who's going to make this happen." Yeah, and you produce like in person, produce like our first few episodes, and yep. then kind of show yep. us how to do it. And yeah, yeah, um, Somehow you take the nonsense that we produce and put it together in a way that makes sense to the public, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's hey. been it's been great. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, really. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So, Amen. And um, so on that positive note, let's get into this lesson here. Did we have opening prayer? I don't think we did. No. no Roger, would you pray for us as we start? Sure. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you as always for the ability mm -hmm. to do this. Thank you for the privilege of uh, just engaging in this ministry. It, we all have so much fun, and mm -hmm. I think that's a testament in and of itself to the beauty of the gospel that you can just put three, four people in a room and we start talking about your word and we laugh and we have a good time. Mm. And I pray, Lord, that this will be a ministry to those who hear it. Thank you for putting us in a time and a place where we can make this public. We can sit in this room next to a window and not have to worry about uh, persecution or anything like that. So thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that maybe this will reach places where that is not the case. 
And uh, as the pastor said, we thank you that Megan's here today mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, for everything she does in the background. Thank you for Daniel and the pastor and be with those who, uh, who aren't here. Tom and Tom had other commitments, so we pray that you be with those and be with our audience. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So just kind of an open-ended question. What would, what would we do if the book of Psalms was removed from the Bible? I mean, think about that for a moment. You know, it's it's one of those books that we often go to when we are, you know, finding we're in a tough situation or, you know, I think about David's confession to uh, God in Psalm 51, creating me a pure heart. Psalm 23 is a go-to. And and uh, Psalm 100 is just beautiful in of itself. But what, you know, it's interesting. It's a It's a book that, you know, appeals to some part of us that is beyond just a cerebral and just the information, the data. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what the Psalms allow? To use like a common vernacular, the Psalms will show that you can be real with God. Exactly. Because the Psalms at times say some pretty outrageous things. Absolutely. You have David writing a Psalm about like dashing his enemies' children's heads against the trees. Um, and he's just opening his heart to God. He's telling God how he really feels. And it gets recorded, and somewhere along the way, those sages and wise men say, hey, this is somebody talking to God. Yep. And I think we should, we should, we should preserve this. Right? Yep. And there's, there's, there's the extreme. We've talked about this before in this, in this quarter. These extremes of joy, pain, suffering, yep. uh, reward, all these different things. Um, and as last week and this week emphasize, all those things speak to God's sovereignty, right? The same God that is there with you in the depths of your despair is also the God that's like standing in like triumph at the top of the mountain too, right? And he's in both places, yeah. right? Uh, you talked about Psalm 23 and things yeah. like that, like these go-tos. Yeah, um, yeah it's just a great, it's, 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 it's people being real about their emotions with, with a God who we can mischaracterize. Yeah, that's easily mischaracterized by people outside that don't know him. And, and the reason bringing this up is because our our title for this week's lesson is "The Lord Heal Hears and Delivers." Now, that's an interesting phrase. The Lord hears and delivers, as if you know we've all been in jams and pickles and conundrums, and sometimes they're of, they're all of our own making. And sometimes they are not. And we call out to God, help me, right? I think we've all done it, right? Yes. And, 100%. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I remember here the expression that so long as there are tests, there will always be prayer in public schools, you know? We are, you're faced with this test. I know I know the answer. Oh, Lord, help me to get the answer. You know, that's that situation. So let's go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, and um, it's, I think it's going to help us if we read through it. Um, so so I'm gonna, we're going to ask our producer here to read it for us. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. It's a big chunk of scripture here. 1 through? 18, I'm eight? sorry. Yep. Okay. God's perfect knowledge of man, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. 
You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Mm. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my innerward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Amen. Amen. Exactly. So, there's so much in Psalm 139 to really, you know, sort of analyze and discuss. But it's it's if there's one thing that stands out to me, it's verse seven. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Hmm. And you know, we've we've all, you know, we've heard that myth that uh, is growing up within our wonderful faith system where. You know, the, you know, Ellen White said there are places that angels fear to tread, but they still tread there. And, you know, remember the myth that, uh, you know, mo- angels don't go into movie theaters, you know. And, Boy, that's and, not true. No, I hate to tell you this, but uh, it's, it's oh, I'm glad you're sitting goodness. down. <laughs> and, but it's interesting. And I remember hearing that years ago. And, and, and I, I said, wait a second. We're talking about God here. You mean he wouldn't walk into a movie theater? It was absurd to me then. Absurd. I said, people believe this? They do. And it's just like, <clears throat> what kind it. of a wimpy God do we serve? That he wouldn't take on any, you know, even if it, even if it was, you know, demon-possessed over there. And, and, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have taken God and shrunken him so much. And it's, it's upsetting. And I think this is part of the problem about, before we began a recording, you know, the, the, the suicide of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, we see God as this small little entity that we, we call upon to bless our plans and mm-hmm. like some sort of, uh, you know, magic dust and, and, and oh, okay, we blessed and, and we're good to go. And uh, what are we talking about here? You know, the psalmist here understands the grandeur, the, the 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 scope, or as much as he can, of God. Who's it's a pagan. It's a pagan God. I, we turned him into a pagan God. Mm. Well, yeah. And, and so one of the you know I'm so glad you're saying that. One of the interesting points, and I and I made a note to it, is that um, the psalms are born um, of experience, and so that 
we really can't say a whole lot about this God. We've whittled him down to this right. because that's the extent of Western Judeo-Christian experience. Mm-hmm. David had a much different experience of that God and the Psalm writers. And the Israels historically had a different view of God. Mm-hmm. So that the Bible without the Psalms, I think, would be the Bible without the human aspect of God mm. injected in the lives and in the feelings of love, hate, passions. That's so, what the Bible would be without that. We get it in some books, in, in yeah, some aspects of the do, Bible, yeah. Old and New Testament. But without them, in the, without the Psalms, you've stripped it of that. Yeah. And, and maybe that's, that's the anemic um, Christianity that we have now in and the Western world. It's, it's interesting because I think some, you know, my, my, one of my favorite authors is, of course, Philip Yancey, and he's talking about growing up. And, you know, he went to a prayer meeting, and, and I think it was Philip Yancey, and he said it was amazing how many people were praying for slipped discs, you know, in your back. You know, yeah. That was the thing, you know. Lord, heal my slipped disc, you know. And, what you know, that that's a... Okay, that's a good request. Sure. I'm not going to deny that, but let's be honest with ourselves. There are bigger things. There's Lord, help me to love my annoying neighbor, mm. or help me to deal with these feelings of anger towards my annoying boss, or whatever mm. it might be. And 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 it's almost like we've, you know, we we've sort of uh, limited how much of our lives. We, of course, let other people know about, but also about how much is God interacting with, really, our real lives. And, and the, the Psalms takes us back to this. Different society, though, in that in the Western society, we tend to compartmentalize God. So don't yeah. bring him to work. Yeah. Don't bring him to school yeah. lately. Yeah. Um, recent, fairly recent history. Don't... Um, you know, God can't be in the workplace, you know, right. so that um, the richness of a God that permeates every aspect of our lives, that's what David is sharing. That's what the psalm writers are sharing. That's a God we don't really know because he doesn't permeate everything. I remember one time sitting at a conference, uh, we were getting ready to go off to war, and an old general sends up there and he says, listen, um, I'm going to be very plain with you young men. And at the time, we're all junior officers. You know, you're hot, you're ready, you're ready to go. And he said, listen, if you don't believe in God, when the rounds start flying, you better find a very good substitute. Mm. And he ends it off by saying, there is no substitute. Wow. Experience Hmm. of facing death. And we'll get to that later in the lesson. Um, life and death crises, that's what helps us test and extend the scope of our God. Yeah. And small God, limited experience. Yeah. Limited testing. Small muscles, yeah. limited exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, God's a warrior. That's what you're, yeah. like that. What you're talking about, how, what kind of wimpy God do we serve that he yeah. wouldn't like walk in a movie theater or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, the, <laughs> or the Israelites a bar or, whatever or a bar be, yeah. or a strip yeah. club or yep. 
you know, name name your 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 den of sin of choice, whatever. Um, yeah, you better believe God marches in there because what else is he? That's what he's after. He right, he's after the people that are sucked in by that first of all. Yeah. But go back to what I just said. God, the, the ancient Israelites saw God as a warrior, mm-hmm. right? You remember Joshua? He's getting ready to walk oh, into. Well, yep. Uh, he's getting to, ready to lead the, the Hebrews into the land of Canaan, and there's a stranger standing there, and he goes up, and he's like, who are you for? Are you for us, or are you for our enemies? And the, and the, the angel, the stranger, says, um, I'm not for either. Mm-hmm. I'm the yep. commander of the Lord's armies. And this is key right here. Joshua falls on his face and worships, and the angel accepted his worship, which means mm-hmm. that was Christ. Right, that's God Himself leading His army, leading His. He's the warrior general, leading His army. He's He's not the general back on the hills going like, "Ah, oh, yes, bring me my spectacles so I can see what's going on mm-hmm. in the battlefield." He's at the He's in the front lines and he's fighting right along with us. That's the God we serve. I don't know if you brought this up by accident about Joshua and Jericho, but it was really. I'm glad you brought it up, Roger, because mm-hmm. on Friday's lesson, there's a powerful quote here. And listen to these words. The reason why his professed people have no greater strength than they trust so much to their own wisdom. I'm sorry, let me back that up. The reason why his professed people have no greater strength is that they trust so much to their own wisdom and do not give the Lord an opportunity to reveal his power in their behalf. He will help his believing children in every emergency if they will place their entire confidence in him and faithfully obey him. From Patriarchs and Prophets, page 493. So I said, that's an interesting quote. So, where did it come from? Yeah. Joshua and Jericho. Yeah. You know, and and you, you brought that up. I don't, that wasn't planned. It just sort of happened. And, and you know, you look at the, the, this, is, this is true, Roger, about, you know, what are we trusting in? Mm-hmm. What are we trusting in? Who what are, are we, we trusting? Well, what are, what are we afraid of, too? Yeah. Right? Like we don't serve a fearful God, we don't serve it. That's why I say we, you, when you when you box God in, you turn him into a pagan god. Mm-hmm. Because what did the pagan gods do? They just went. They they came down and they like messed around, right? They they stirred up they stirred up some nonsense, and then they went back to Olympus and they just said, "Huh, this is going to be fun to watch," right. right? That's what they did, right? They didn't really have. They were just humans with like a little bit of magic, mm-hmm. right? Um, the God of the Bible is not like that. He's not a pagan God. Right. And I, he doesn't, I don't think he appreciates, I don't mean to speak for the Lord, but <laughs> I don't, I can't imagine that he appreciates when we try to put shackles on what he can and cannot do. So it's. And it, it must be very, very hard for him to deal with when the church does it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, oh boy, who's the guy I always like to quote? Um, and he said something to the effect of that the last Christian on earth was put on a cross, hmm. you know, and uh, Kierkegaard, Kierkegaard. And, you know, he's, he's like, you know, it's true. I mean, if we really, Roger, if we really took this all seriously, you know, and stop playing in the bathtub and get into the ocean, you know, <laughs> we would really say, wow. You know what a whole new world there is here. Yeah, but we're spoiled. But but part of that is we have to be willing to give up a predictable reality. 
And that's where, when that's why it's so cool about looking at the psalm through the eyes of David. Yeah. I mean, remember he was being pursued by Saul. Yeah. And he's got the whole situation with his, um, you know, son, and you've got the whole Bathsheba incident, mm-hmm. incident and all this stuff. And and literally, there was times he was out there in the homeless. wilderness. He was homeless. Homeless, <laughs> fleeing for his life. Yeah. Played it. He was insane at one point in time. Oh my, yeah, that that's yeah. an interesting story. That's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that's, that's a good point because it, yeah. David wasn't this sort of like timid character, you know, like oh my, I'm no, not at all. The Lord, you know, this <laughs> no. is all wonderful. That's not. No, David was out there. He's just like, yeah, I killed people. Yeah, and I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I committed adultery. Like and, go go back to and, Psalm one thirty nine. Look at verse nineteen. God, if only you would kill the wicked, wipe them no. out. Yep. Just kill and, him, God. And, and, Just wipe and, him. And, you know, he's yeah, talking. I mean, think for about real. the David and Goliath story. I mean, okay, so he knocks him out, then he takes his own sword, and there he was, semi-conscious, whatever, and he, you know, does something that would be hard for. <laughs> Most people do just take the sword and <laughs> remove. He hacked his head off. He you hacked know what I mean? Like, off, yeah. It wasn't surgical. He's not just there like, oh, yeah, surgical precision. I'm going to take off this unfortunate you know, enemy of mine's. Uh, well, you know? that, and then they, and, what then they hang it, put it on a pose, on yeah. a uh, stick. Yeah, and he's like, hey, look what happens when you mess with my God. Yeah. Huh? And, and, well, he's mm. saying that's, this, is, this is their God. Right. Yeah. But I mean, today, I just killed their God. Yeah. With my God, yeah, yeah, and and today we would look at this as pretty much barbaric. Yes, you know we'd like, mm. wow, what are you doing? Yeah, well, yeah. For clarification, we're not suggesting we should no, no, as no, a no, congregation no. engage in warfare. <laughs> no. No. no, 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 no. There's there's the code of conduct, you but, know. But Paul would submit, you know, that we are engaged in warfare. We are. It's spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah. And so that if that's the case. It needs to permeate every aspect of your life. All of your actions, all of your thoughts are towards the destruction of the enemy. That's the enemy without and the enemy within. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that enemy is within. And what do you have to, just to go back to the pastor's point right at the beginning, <laughs> what do you have to do when you're trying to destroy the enemy? Well, you've got to train. And? you die, Okay. <laughs> but you have to go to where the enemy is. Yes. Which means the angels can go in movie theaters. <laughs> well, well and, so, and, um, and you accept what that really the enemy matters. is. Yeah, that's right. We're coming back to that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And you accept that the enemy's uh, camp, there are no borderlines right. yeah. in real war. There are only boundaries that we established, and you've fought, fought for them, and they are strongholds now. Mm. Because always, yep. the nature of yep. war is taking yep. land. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> we just started the lesson, and I want to just, there's a couple of passages I really think it's helpful to hit on here. And, and looking at Psalm 40, 1 to 3, and uh, I waited, this is from David, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. Mm-hmm and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I mean, that's a very graphic Mm -hmm. image there. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. 
And I found myself asking, what is my slimy pit? That's the question. Yeah. That's the question, you know. And, and of course, you know, we all have, in a way, we all have them. It could be, you know, despair. It could be a sin. It could be financial woes. Mm. It could be health issues. You know, it could be anything. And, and uh, you know, the psalmist David says, the Lord did lift me out. And, and, you know, I think when we look at our health, you know, we give doctors a lot of credit, but we also have to say, well, God gave the doctors mm-hmm. the ability to do what they do. Yes. You know, um, if it was up for the devil, there would be no healing. Mm. Everybody would just, you know, die or, you know, nobody would care. But there's this element of somebody caring mm. that we live healthy productive lives so um any thoughts about that it's amazing how time can change things Hmm. and you know you may find yourself why am i even alive why am i even on this earth and then something happens or maybe nothing happened and then 24 hours you're late you're like wow life is great Hmm. You know, life is wonderful. Not perfect, but it's, and you see, it's about a change of focus. Yeah. And sometimes people, all they can see is no way out. Mm. And the cool thing about God is that there's always a way out. Yes. Even death itself. Yeah. And we come from the New, New Testament perspective, and we can say, wow, God even conquered death. Amen. It's, it's done, you know. Amen. So, it's you know we talk about the meaningless of life, and and or some people think this is meaningless, and and you know make up your own reality, make up your own belief system. But when we look at this, if that God is really the creator, the genesis of it all, hmm. and He's the fixer of of it all, you know, Amen. we have it's just amazing. Yes. So. I don't mean to go on a, on a sermon here, but it just couldn't help myself. No, no, no. Good stuff. Um, you know, I, I also have in my notes, um, in a day of trouble, when we're in that time of trouble, um, and throwing our cares on God and trusting Him to sustain us. Again, and not that you voluntarily put yourself on the edge, but if you live that life that you're on the edge, that you're dependent on God, then you really get to see His protection. Mm-hmm. You get to see him sustaining you. Um, you know, at least for in, in my own experiences, it's been it's been being deployed to Iraq. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, but but for someone else, it could be something else. Um, but when you're on that edge, that gets to where you get to exercise that faith. Is he real, or is it just a bywords? Mm-hmm. Is God just the God of my parents? Or is he real for me? And um, and I think so. One of the another blue point, a great point of the Psalms, is it gives us that mm. that that edge. Yeah. That it, it challenges us to develop that relationship. Um, we know David went through quite a bit of experiences. What are our experiences? What is our slimy pit? Mm-hmm. What's that like? What does that look like? Um, the beautiful thing about the Psalms is it challenges us to take that into the 21st century and say, okay, 
where am I at and where's the God today? Yeah. We, I like to look at a lot of our depictions of God where artists depict him in his robes. You know, they depict Jesus <laughs> in his robes. Yeah. Dressed in another toga the way that folks dressed um, in his day. How would he be today? Mm-hmm. How would he approach us? What would he look like? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and on that note, Daniel, it's when you read a Bible story, ask yourself, who am I in this story? Yes. You know, we often look at the prodigal son and, and, the, and you say, well, are you the prodigal or are you the one who stayed home? Right. Who is bitter and yes. resentful? Yes. And, and that's just a simple one. You say, well, you know what? Maybe I relate more to the one who's home because I've always done the right thing. And why are you celebrating about this, you know, the prodigal? Why would yeah. you do that? Who, that's, this is wrong. Yes. And, and, and yet the father tells him, Everything you, everything I have is yours. Yes. You know, you've been with me. We can throw a party any time. But it's about our perspectives. And, and, you know, so coming back to this, I think what the challenge is for us, for every believer, is how do you actually do this? Mm. You know, let's say you're working for a company and you hear they're going to start laying off people. Yep. So what should the, how does the Christian, how does a real believer respond to that? Any thoughts? For one, there should be, there should be prayer and turning to God. Yep. And saying God will provide, there Mm -hmm. should be. Often though, I think the emotion is panic, um, worry, maybe even at some point anger. Mm-hmm. Because where am I going to be able to do this, to do that, pay my bills, et cetera, et cetera, so that we don't really rely on God to provide those things. We depend on our ability to work, mm-hmm. get that money, yep. and then partake of these expectations. And And I say that because... We make it about me, yes. about I. And I think we need to say, okay, Lord, ideally, and, and fortunately we can, I think all four of us in the room can look at this in a theoretical point right now mm-hmm. and say, well, God, there's no surprises with you. You know, you knew this was going to happen. So how are you and I going to walk through this? Mm. And I don't want to be Pollyanna-ish about this, but I mean... <laughs> In some sense, Jesus, if, if those red letters are true, he did say, do not worry. Yeah. He did say it. God said it. And, and so how do you really integrate it down to the molecular level, you know, the, the, the actual gears? And that's what I'm saying is to say. Yeah. A lot of times I remind myself, I, I'm forced to remind myself of that because I've had moments where I've been without. Mm. And I've had to say. Well, God, you said this, and it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's a challenge all the time going through that crisis, and um, how we come out of it. We either succeed, what we look at as a success, or we compromise and do something else. We feel bad about it, mm-hmm. and we criticize ourselves. Mm. Uh, David did that too. 
Mm-hmm. He, he talks about it. We see it. We, we have the blessing of hindsight to look at his life. But do we come back circle and pick up where we are with God and say, yes, I failed. Mm. And here's what I need to do and I know I should do, but I don't know why I didn't do it. And be honest with God, mm-hmm. whether in prayer or in, in our thought process. One of the things I do for myself is um, I journal. Mm. So I write about my experience because then God becomes my friend. I can talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote journals through college. I, I wrote them during the army. I, I would write about my experience and they helped me build Good. Um, and you keep them all. I keep them. Yeah. And it helps me. So it's like, it's knowledge. It's wisdom. Yeah. And and I account for failure. Yeah. And I account for what could be looked at now as success. But at the time, I just was telling God, yeah. this is how I feel. Mm, yeah. And, and, and I would just sort of expound on my own theoretical question here. So let's say somebody says, oh, Lord, I hear that they're laying people off and you know lord i knew i knew i shouldn't have spent that money on that trip to hawaii Mm. i blew a couple thousand dollars i would have had more money in my savings account oh dumb me stupid me why did i do that or buying those sneakers (laughs) or buy those sneakers whatever it is (laughs) or buying the upgraded car or buying new cars that have been used you know And, and and i'm saying is is why is it that we make it about us and yeah, we maybe are not always good money managers, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and and I mean, kind of, th- I think God kind of knows that. So we're like, okay, God's going to make me suffer because I was foolish with my money. And what am I going to do? Uh, you know, lose, you know what I'm saying? We, our minds, our imaginations just mm-hmm. run wild. Yeah. And maybe that can be the slimy pit right there. Yeah. You know, where we, we go to the worst case scenario. Yeah. And 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 I don't know what it is about human nature, but worst case scenario. And and oh, it's gonna fall apart and and <laughs> again we're back. Why get out of bed in the morning? But we forget that God is on the throne. But so, how much how much of the Christian life is really just getting out of bed? Muddling along. Expound on that, please. Yeah. Okay, David, we're talking about the Psalms. Look at David. David um, was a murderer. Yep. Mm-hmm. David was an adulterer. David was a political rebel. Mm-hmm. David was a bad father. He was a good father. He was a loyal soldier. He was a disloyal soldier. He was a good Jew. He was a bad Jew. Mm. He's a good king. He's a bad king, but he still woke up every day and he did something mm-hmm. and he tried to do it in light of what he knew about God and God's laws. Mm. And so I think we talk about, we use term, we use words like success and failure mm. and uh, I don't know, winning, losing, mm-hmm. you know, black and white duality type stuff. And really what it is is, you know, did you wake up today and try to do better than you did yesterday? You may have not done better. Mm-hmm. You may have failed miserably at doing better. Mm. 
But did you wake up with the intent to do better? Did you give it your best shot? And when you wake up tomorrow, are you going to do the same thing? Now, that's, that sounds like a really bad way, maybe, to some people to characterize Christianity, but that's what the early church did. Hmm. They got up the next day and they just kept moving forward, right? Yep. Um, Jesus did the same thing, right? Sometimes he was rejected. Sometimes he was accepted. Mm -hmm. Sometimes his words fell on deaf ears, and sometimes they got crowds of thousands of people, right? It, at no point did he go, I'm all set with this Messiah thing. No, he just got up the next day and he did it again. And the apostles did the same thing. They stood up to, they, how did they stand up to the Roman Empire? By just getting up and doing the same thing, mm -hmm. right? And you can find examples throughout, what did Martin Luther do? He got up the next day and he did it again. John yeah. Calvin got up the next day and did it again. Putting right. one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Right, exactly. And you just do it knowing that, hey, when you say, like, God's walking with me, like, we have this image of, like, God's walking with me and he's out there and he's clearing the path and everything's <laughs> going to be great. And, you know, we're going to have success by human definition. Mm. Um, but what God's always saying is, like, listen, guys, I already won. Mm-hmm. You just kind of got to follow along. And it's going to suck sometimes. So that, that's the thing. That's what we're afraid to say. Yep. We're afraid to say it. But it's going to suck sometimes. But you got to just but, keep but, putting one foot in front of the other. And it's interesting that you use those, those words because I'm thinking about Paul and Silas in prison. I'm thinking about the martyrdom of most of the disciples. Yes. And, and we say, how do we evaluate life? And, and it's interesting, coming back to David... You know, when when he one of he did a couple of grievous sins, one of the which when he counted the men. Yes. And he got confronted on it and he was given three pills to choose from, three years of famine, three months of um, the enemy having victory, or three days I think it was three days of the wrath of God. I think mm -hmm. that was it was a three. And he chooses number three. Let me just let me deal with the wrath of God because at least with God there is, you know, with man there is no mercy, <laughs> and with God it's that's the implied that that yeah. there's some mercy here. Yeah, and, I know where I stand with him. Hmm? I know where I stand you know with him. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's an expression that I came across. I think somebody would write their letters and and they would end it by saying, "Let us advance upon our knees." Hmm. Let us advance upon our knees. I think that's kind of going on what you're saying, Roger. But we're doing so on our knees, one foot in front of the other, one knee in front of the other. Yeah. So before time runs away, guys, uh, Psalm 31, 1 I to hate, 3. I hate to tell you, but time's always going to run away. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's always putting one foot in front of the other. And what are we looking at here? So... <laughs> he couldn't wait. He's been waiting. He's, He's been waiting. He's been waiting. That wasn't just, intentional. Just for the record, Roger Prather did press the button. <laughs> so, what, what for are, my what own is joke? So, why don't you read Psalm 31, one through five? Daniel's Daniel's playing Atari game. <laughs> I, I was. No. I'm hearing that. I'm like, it's got commercials. So, and 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 that's what I word from our sponsor. <laughs> That is not good. <laughs> and and in case you were, uh, you heard a strange noise in the background, almost sounded like an airplane going over. It was a snowplow that went out for outside, and our mics were so sensitive they mm -hmm. pick it up. Mm -hmm. So, so Psalm thirty-one, one through five. If Megan would read that for us, 
And I'd love to. Lord, a fortress. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Mm. Let me never be ashamed. Mm -hmm. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver mm -hmm. me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Mm -hmm. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Amen. Would you mind reading verse 6 too? I think it kind of frames this verse even more powerfully. Yes. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I mm. trust in the Lord. There we go. Amen. Yep. Amen. And, and it's, it's again this Hebrew word. Po powerful, yes. Megan <laughs> has just graduated from Hebrew class. Yes, yeah. today. <laughs> so, um, but that imagery of the rock, you know, Jesus referred to himself as a rock. Mm -hmm. And there's something about, you know, when you, we all know when you build a house, you want to have a firm foundation. You want to build something solid, rock, something. And, and you know, David is appealing and using that imagery about being having Christ as his rock or God as his rock. Um, and then, of course, because he realizes that the worth, the idols, are worthless. Yes. And it's just something that people have made and they assign a value to mm. rather than the God of David who serves a God who is transcends. Yes. Transcends stone and metal and so forth and wood Amen. and and that is that's a bold move yes that's a bold move and it's worth noting jesus quoted this song from the cross that's yes. right yep into yes. your hands i commit my spirit, spirit. Yep. which i'm glad you brought that up roger because we were talking earlier about you know life having ups and downs and so often we equate prosperity, goodness, mm. peace, you know, full bank account yes. with God's blessings. Mm. And then when things go bad, we're thinking opposite. Yes. But here is Jesus on the cross and quoting from Psalm. Well, I tell, see, I tell people that all the time. I say, I've said this in Sabbath school. I've said it all the time. You know, we have this self-constructed expectation that becoming a Christian means that everything's going to go swimmingly mm. in our lives. Yeah. And the Bible does not give us any reasonable expectation of that. The Bible gives us the reasonable expectation of difficulty and, and uh, resistance. God himself came to the earth and preached love and peace and acceptance and they executed him mm. so what on earth <laughs> makes us think that we're going to be like hey guys gospel love peace acceptance and everybody the world's just going to be like oh this is great yeah no we should not expect that <laughs> it's mm. easier to swallow it, it's interesting that What's because that? it's easier to swallow to sell a story of utopia and a better roses and forgot that roses have thorns Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so here, let's go a little bit deeper on this. Say you got a pastor mm. who says, man, I've got to grow this congregation. <laughs> I, need, I need to fill, 
um, Fenway Park. Mm. I want to buy Fenway Park, and I want to turn into the one of the biggest churches in America. So, what are you gonna what, what what's gonna go on your mind here? You're gonna say, what sells? And I'm I'm treading on, stepping on a few toes here, and and you know, and so well, listen, God wants you, you know, to drive the biggest Cadillac there is, or mm. the biggest, you know, Ferrari. He wants you to have that in, indoor, in-ground swimming pool. He wants you to have this. Mm. And and it's like, wait a second now. The thing that strikes me is after Jesus was baptized, the Spirit led him... To the wilderness. To be... Tempted. Yep. Yeah. And, and he was without food for 40 days. Yes. And and it brought him down to the core of his existence. And what does he do? He quotes the Bible. He yes. quotes the the, the, scorer, scriptures. the yeah. scriptures. Yeah. And you look at that and you say, "Wow, what what have we have we adulterated?" We talked about this earlier about have we adulterated, you know, Christianity mm. and and watered down and. By and large, we unfortunately have, and and uh, you know it's it's. It, I think part of the problem is we are too timid, and we don't ask for God to, you know, our enemies aren't physical really. They're emotional. They're they're they're, they're mental. They're they're you know it's the, how can I love that person over there who mm. I cannot stand? You know, David was like, I want to kill my enemy. <laughs> We, we Jesus says put, gives us a new lens, hmm. and he says, "Love your enemies." Do you think it's that oh. we're too timid? <laughs> Make it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I was. Uh, what I was going to say was, I think the what I'm gathering from this discussion and just David in general is he's bold, and I yeah. think we've lost that boldness. Yeah, we have. In just in society in general, except for um, political issues, you know, people are yeah. very bold on those issues. But when it comes to Christianity, we're all kind of like, like we just kind of keep it to ourselves. We're quiet, and like Roger was saying, we just, you know, one step in front of the other, we we're just plugging away. Yeah. And I think we're letting different. Um, agendas so, or pol political groups or what what have you be bolder than us because we don't want to fight well, a, make that I, would say, I would say so, that's a false I'm sorry that's a false boldness too yes mm -hmm. right yes. because you're hiding behind some demagogue usually mm -hmm. right right or ideological leader yep so it's a false boldness David was bold but he was also bold in in his real because he said God said hey I want you to go over there and love that guy. And David's like, Puh, I hate that guy. Yeah. I would like to kill him yeah. and his children. Yeah. yeah, Right? And God said, yeah, well, you know, you're still my king and you still have to do certain things. Right? And David, that's when they oh, say muddle yeah. through. David muddled through. Mm. Right? He still said, all right, God, I'm going to try to follow you. Even though you're telling me that I have to love this jerk over here who's whatever you know what i mean those philistines or whatever you know mm -hmm. and um that's what i mean that, that, that david was bold because he would look god in the eye so to speak metaphorically speaking and be like i hate that guy i don't think i can do what mm -hmm. you're asking me to do 
you know, I, I, I like I liked Jonah would probably be yeah. a good example mm-hmm. of David. Yeah. Um, it is often said that when the Assyrian Empire fell, Nineveh, nobody shed a tear. They were evil mm-hmm. and they were vicious. And um, Jonah knows it. And God says to him, go and preach to them and save them. Jonah hated them. Mm-hmm. And Jonah got bought himself a ticket intentionally, got on a ship, and he intended to not go to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. And he told God about, it. "I'm not going." Yeah, <laughs> not just showed him, "I'm not going to Nineveh." You know. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about our, our our faith being timid. I don't know if if I can say it's timidity, or is it just socially? Mm. We've come to accept that it's appropriate not to be bold in your faith. Mm, Even though everything that, yeah, scripture yeah. says, all that New Testament, boldly before the throne of God. And, and, and I'm going to add something here. I want you to know that there's four of us in the room. The youngest one is right over here to my yes. left. <laughs> and your perspective, Megan, is so refreshing. Yes. Because as you, it's easy. And, and please remember that our wonderful church started with people who were about your age and younger. Mm-hmm. Yes. And something happens, unfortunately, in the minds and the outlooks of people as they age. Why do you keep looking at me when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to respond to that. No, no. I didn't notice that, but glad you did. So since I, hey, I need if there's a mirror, I I think I am the oldest one in the room. So full disclosure. So full. So, but but my point is, is David, you know, it'd be interesting to, when we meet him. Hmm. You know, you look at. The, the chapters of his life mm-hmm. and how old was he anybody remember offhand was he 16? when he when he when oh when david and goliath 16 16 approximately yeah and so and then you see that vision that energy yeah combined with faith yes mm-hmm. changed it changed history mm-hmm. changed history absolutely and absolutely. you look at the seventh Adventist movement you know you have james and white they were in their 20s, I believe, and younger. Well, I don't wait. yeah, we're talking about an older teenager, I believe. 19, yeah. when she had her first vision, yeah. I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Thank you so much for thinking I was 19. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. You're very <laughs> nice to see some youth around yeah. here. You know. <laughs> amen. But, I, I'm, but I'm glad you br- did bring that up like about yeah. boldness, because I think our denomination, we've lost a lot of our boldness. I think cr- Protestantism in general has lost a lot of its boldness. Um, and since you brought up like cultural and political stuff, like I'm, I'm, I pay a lot of attention to it. Pastors mentioned if you, but you look at January 6th, yeah. and you look at the lawn of mm-hmm. the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people with pictures of Jesus, you yeah. know, Jesus 2020 and all right. this kind of nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. And so, again, false boldness, right? Because how many of those people are actually, and believers. I don't mean to sound judgmental here, right? right? But are, how many of them are actually believers? But how many of them have adopted Jesus as some sort of political symbol? Um, and that's, and unfortunately, those types of, um, and I'm doing air quotes for those who are listening, Christians, right, are sort of setting the tone for how the public understands the church, mm-hmm. right? Because you have a lot of 
mainstream denominations that have receded into the background and they've they've completely bought into we're not going to push our faith on anybody we need to just not in the workplace not in the public sphere like we're going to go about and do our thing we're going to feed the poor and we're just going to leave everybody everything else alone and that you know that's not any of that is what god wants Mm -hmm. he wants us to be bold paul was bold paul marched right he was stuck in athens okay (laughs) and he went to the place where all the smartest people in greece were hanging out the areopagus right right and he went there and he was just like hey i got some cool ideas let's talk about them right he wasn't being pushy Nope. But he was being bold, and we—I think too often we we conflate boldness with pushiness. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think that society has done that to us, mm. though. Meaning, if, um, if you have a friend or that is is not Christian or whatever, and you say something they don't like, well, I thought you were Christian. Oh yeah. That's you know that's right. typically the the thing. Well, I thought you were Christian. Well, I, and then so then you don't want to say anything because mm-hmm. you're right. You, mm-hmm. I I am Christian, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Bible does say to be you know good and kind. So I guess technically you're right. I'll be more quiet. Mm-hmm. So I feel like so so <laughs> not to open I, a can I'm of worms. The, no, but. I brought you glad you brought that up because <laughs> why is it that so often we think Christians are you know superhumans. You know, we never lose our tempers. We never swear. We never, uh, you know, <laughs> say I hate the so and you know that mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And why? Why is that? It's it's. And I think when you because when I read through the Bible, there's only one perfect person. Yeah. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, there's only one. Yeah. And and it's 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 his name. You know his name. And yeah. and so. We, we kind of uh, get painted in a corner in a way, and we paint ourselves in a corner because what does it really mean to be a Christian? And I think this is what I would love to ask people <laughs> on the street. You know, just hold the mic and say, what, what you know, just a passerby, and, and what does it mean to be a Christian? And I, I think many people would say, well, you, you don't smoke, drink, you don't, uh, don't, no don't, vices. don't. Hmm? Yeah, no vices. No vices. Yeah. You ever, and you ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Yeah. <laughs> he had a few vices. Sure did. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did. That's the guy who liked to smoke. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Theologian and, at that. Yeah, and great preacher. Great preacher. Yeah, Baptist was. Church. One of yeah. the best. Yeah. 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 So, Generationally, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, and so that's, I think we're still wrestling with. Well, that's pietism. Yeah, that's right. And that's a uniquely, well, it's not unique to the United States, but, you know, we've taken it in a certain direction in the United States. And, okay, I'm going to say some people might not like, but (laughs) the 19th century in the United States was a huge part of that. And guess who got wrapped up in that? We did. Mm. Right? With the temperance movement. And I'm not saying that the temperance movement was bad, but it was responding to very specific socio-cultural uh, cues in the society at the time. Mm. Now here we are 150 <laughs> years later and we think that it's still 1844 mm. and it's not. So yeah. it was bold yeah. back then to make those claims. Yeah. But it's not so bold anymore today. And I've a lot of, I'm sorry, Danny, I know you get yep. some, no. but a lot of the confusion too, you, I have friends and family say like, well, what is Jesus, what's Christianity all about? And they're like, well, you know, Jesus preached love. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, you mm. just gotta love everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. very well, what esoteric. Is, what is and that? Undefined. Yeah. You know, yeah. like sometimes I yell at my kids when they don't do their homework. Mm-hmm. Right. I do it out of love. Yeah. Okay. Right. No, seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I have. Stu- I teach high school. Sometimes yeah. I try to scare the pants off the kids. Well, when God says my name is jealous. Love. Yeah, jealousy. Is it, is, a it jealous a, is it Christian God. to be jealous? Yeah. You know, exactly. You know what I mean? And we, we, we skip over all this stuff and we don't want we, we want an unsophisticated faith. We want a very bland, easy McDonald's. We want to go through the McDonald's drive thru and be like, I'll take a order of Christianity with a side of love, please. Mm-hmm. And you want to just pull out of the drive thru and easy, yep. easy transaction. Yep. Because our emotions are bad. And God like, didn't like give us emotions. David's. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Our emotions are bad. Well, that's the culture we live in today. That's the culture. It's all sanitized. And And, and we need to allow passion in in our... And by the way, if if anybody's listening to this on the West Coast, (laughs) we are broadcasting this from New England. Yes. You know, New England where, you know, you have an amen in the church and and everybody turns around and looks. (laughs) I had that experience when I first came here in college. Really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. I shouted amen and everybody <laughs> I was upstairs. <laughs> Balcony. I'm from the south. So I get it. I didn't know. All have these you Puritans running around <laughs> yep, up yep. here, stodgy old. Oh, it was hard. <laughs> Excuse <Yep>. me. <laughs> Born and bred in New England over yep. here? Yeah, that's that's true. Different generation. That's, that's true. 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 So and you you well, you, you, yeah, you, you have roots to the south. You mentioned, and and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, listen, we are time is running out, yeah. and we did not really get to touch on much of a lesson here, um, but we hope that this has been helpful mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form for you, our our, our listeners, to uh, aid you in your walk with Christ. Amen. Well, we did. We did really touch less, right? Because listen, to what we're talking—we're talking about we're talking, David's crying out, and God hears him. David's like, "I'm going to kill my neighbor." Yeah. Yep, yep. And God's like, "I hear you, David. Yep. Mm. Let's yep. do something about that. But let's do it by changing your heart, maybe changing yep. your neighbor's heart." I'm not going to. I don't condone you going over and no, no, no. Him, and right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But David was again. I say, David was real with God, mm-hmm. and Amen. we don't. We don't feel like we can be real with God and then that trickles down we don't feel like we can be real with each other mm. yes right and we come to church and it's just like oh I'm gonna act like a certain way. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. very superficial you know I gotta look a certain way I gotta pretty. act a certain yeah, pretty yeah. Mm-hmm. is that what you said pretty, yeah, I, gotta, pretty. Yeah. I gotta go up on so, the stage and I gotta have the right size mm-hmm. good morning everyone <laughs> happy Sabbath mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, you know it's interesting and, you said that because I forgot to mention this in my sermon uh, that I was gonna say I know I don't know what you had for breakfast before you came here if you did or if you showered this morning or last <laughs> night or last year but I know every person looked in the mirror at least once yeah I think you did say it. well maybe I did. remember that yeah oh I did say it okay yeah. you did and mm-hmm. you're you know is my tie straight you did is anything in my teeth yeah. and and it's like you know why are we you know where we we have an we have an image obsession and one thing that's cool about David is, at the end of the day, he's concerned about his relationship with God. His, I don't want to use the term, his image, but he wants to be real yeah. with God. Yes. And, and that's where we need to be. 
and I hope that the song. And he's not, but he's concerned. He, so he is concerned about his image. He's concerned about what God's image of him is. Yes. Yeah, he's well not put, concerned well put, about well what other people's image yeah. is. Well put. Bathsheba, the Bathsheba incident is a really good example of that because in Near Eastern culture, what he did, there was nothing wrong with it. Right. Right? He was That's the true. king. He, he was, was allowed yeah. to sleep with any woman king in the kingdom. That. Yeah. Right, they, exactly. They absolute monarchs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> if if it hadn't been Nathan, but when Nathan walks in and tells the story, right, oh, and he man. makes David think like, oh, wait a second, God looks at me like I'm looking at the, that guy? Wait a second, no. Right? Now mm-hmm. I have the broccoli in my teeth in God's eyes, right? Like, yeah. and I can't, I can't live that way, right? Um, that's a great example of that. Like, we do have an image problem. We're paying attention to what the world's image of us is yep. rather yep. than what God's image of us is. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. On that note, let's wrap it up. Daniel, would you pray for us? Absolutely. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for these sketches of the way we ought to be through your servant David and others. We have that record in the Psalms. As we continue this study, God, I ask that you will bless us. Mm. Help us to understand you and shape our lives, order our lives according to your words and not according to society. Mm. Lord, I ask your blessing on each person here and the joy and the excitement they bring to ministry. I ask you to lay your hands on them empower them that they might empower and motivate others Mm. thank you for these lessons and i pray that as you use us to share them with someone listening they will obtain a blessing and want to know more about you in jesus name we pray Amen. amen amen thank you again for those who are listening and we hope again this has been a blessing and be sure to join us for our next podcast as we look at lesson number five, which will be singing in the singing the Lord's song in a strange land. And that sounds intriguing right there. So may God be with you. If you are looking for a community, have some questions about the discussion, or would like to participate in a live Sabbath school class, please join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. for Sabbath school and 11.15 for our worship service at 337 Main Street, South Lancaster, Massachusetts. This has been a production by the College Church's Communication slash Media Ministry. If you were blessed by this podcast, please like, follow, and subscribe. Join us next week for another lesson and let us all remember to love more, grow more, and serve more.